you can think of product lifecycle management as the backbone of the enterprise, right? You need to know what your product is, what it does, what it's composed of and so on. And whatever you do across the enterprise, it builds on that type of information. So think of it as the backbone of the enterprise. Right? Welcome to the Future of Supply Chain podcast from SAP. My name is Richard Howells, and I'm the Vice President for Thought Leadership for SAP's ERP, Finance and Supply Chain Solutions. And today I'm joined by my co-host, Sin. Please introduce yourself. My name is Sin Tu, and I'm a marketer, blogger, and podcaster on the topic of supply chain at SAP. Today we are joined by our two guests, Arend Weil and Gareth Webb, to discuss what it means by designing what customers want in a risk-resilient and sustainable world. Welcome, Arend, and welcome, Gareth. Thank you so much for joining us today, and it is great to have you on the podcast series. If you could take a moment to introduce yourselves, give some insight into your past experiences and what you do today. I'm Arend, as you can easily tell from my accent. I'm German. I'm joining here from the SAP Labs in Munich. I'm with SAP since 2004 and had various roles across sales services, pre-sales, um, there was one thing in common, although I had those various roles, which was the PLM, so the product lifecycle management topic, I guess, which we talk about today and project and portfolio management as well, where most of my time I did spend talking to customers and matching basically customer requirements against our beautiful products. And since two years now, I'm with our development team managing basically the portfolio and the products which we, so to speak, onboarded or started when starting the partnership with Siemens. Gareth, over to you. Hello, and I'm Gareth Webb. I work in the management team here at SAP, and my roles and responsibilities within solution management is to look after our SAP Team Center by Siemens portfolio and all of our wonderful foreign PLM integration solutions, which includes obviously the new jointly developed solution with Siemens. And I joined SAP just over two years ago now. And the purpose of me joining was to try and help drive this partnership with Siemens. And my prior experience in joining SAP was as the leader of the PLM practice, at one of their major solution integrators, where we were wrestling with this topic of where and what should we integrate from a point of view of product lifecycle management and obviously our enterprise resource planning capability. So yeah, I've been doing it for many years, more than I care to mention. Thank you so much for the introduction. So as you mentioned, product lifecycle management, this is actually the key part of the supply chain. What is it exactly product lifecycle management? Can you just explain this briefly to our listeners? You can think of product lifecycle management as the backbone of the enterprise, right? You need to know what your product is, what it does, what it's composed of and so on. And whatever you do across the enterprise, it builds on that type of information. So think of it as the backbone of the enterprise, right? Thanks guys, that's a great explanation. Now we've got a common understanding. Why is it important? I think you just said why it's important. And so maybe what are the business challenges that are in the executives and practitioners are facing today? My experience is that I'm in this area for, believe it or not, like 30 years lately. And since I started, it has been a common task and a worry from enterprises on how to transfer data from engineering to business, right? That is a key task and a key challenge. And you see all type of approaches dealing with that since those 30 years. Many are very custom specific. 
Some even use the famous Excel capabilities to do so. And what that tells us is, you know, one of the constant challenges I tend to think of first when talking to our customers is you need to get beyond this siloed type of situation and really get into a situation, especially today, where we all talk about digital transformation, digitalization. In this context, you need to get to a situation where that information seamlessly flows from engineering to business and vice versa, right? And whenever we refer to business, I mean, like, for example, manufacturing, purchasing, you name it. So I think one of the key challenges we need a lot at customers is that how do I make full usage of that digital product data? And how do I do that in a, um, to put it that way, in, a, in the least painful form, so to speak, thinking about cloud qualities like best case, ready to run, out of the box and so on and so forth. Gareth, I don't know whether you want to add to that. I mean, all I would say is most of the customers that we talk to are facing new challenges in terms of dealing with you know, the end consumer market. All, all as consumers, we're expecting more from our products these days. We want products not to be just consumable items from a sustainability point of view. We need them to be developed and enhanced along with us. And what that drives is an extra level of complexity in the products, making sure that they're future-proof, making sure that the products are sustainable, making sure that they meet the customer demand for individualization or personalization of their product. And this does, linking back to Aaron's point, this drives an awful lot of complexity into the design of a new solution. Increases the amount of information, increases the levels to which we need to integrate our products and services now. You know, it's no longer something you just go and buy off the shelf. I mean, even the the fridge freezer and the dishwasher that I bought recently are now Wi-Fi connected and offer you know, automated ordering services for spare parts. So that wouldn't have been even thought about in the past. And this is now what most of our customers are facing, the, the combination of product services and that complexity that comes with it, but which is requiring them to break down the silos in their business if they're going to compete. Just a follow-on question from that. I mean, you talked about developing smarter products and everything, every industry is designing and manufacturing smarter and smarter products now. You talked about the fridge example of placing orders for spare parts and the like. Do you see these products also passing information back into the R&D process to see where there's a trend that the machine isn't working as well as expected and engineering changes, for example? Absolutely. And I think that's using where we're going next with some of the solutions that we've developed, because we recognize that the life cycle doesn't just stop when the thing's shipped to an end customer anymore. Products do, Kate, they do tell you when they need to be serviced or need to be cleaned or whatever. And what we have seen in this world of connected products is erosion in offerings from the original equipment manufacturer to the consumer. They need to now have a direct customer relationship. It's no longer a kind of B2B type distribution. It's very much a B2C, a business to consumer market. And in a PLM context, when we talk about this, we talk actually about when a product becomes not or no longer becomes just a virtual asset, where it becomes a physical asset. And that really then is starts to get into the world of what we're starting to refer to here is the kind of service lifecycle management and asset management and from a PLM point of view, that means we've got to control the configurations of products that were shipped. So again, that never increasing level of complexity, management and control that needs to be exerted. And I don't know if you want to introduce some of the topics that we're starting to look at within the next generation of our integration, but that whole return loop from operational life back into design is key. 
Let's talk a little bit about the partnership with Siemens, because Gareth, you mentioned that one of your roles is to manage or work with that relationship in the PLM space. So how is the partnership progressing and how does Siemens Team Centre fit into SAP's strategy for PLM? What a great question. The partnership was signed back in July of 2020. We're getting close to three years now of collaboration and partnership. When we started that within our business, saw the the capability of the Siemens Team Centre portfolio as maybe offering us an opportunity to sell into a new market, let's say, with a different product set. I think what's happened is as we've evolved our level of appreciation of the portfolio from Siemens and we've begun to understand how actually the extended set of capabilities that they can bring to our own SAP offerings, we've started to look more holistically at that partnership and say, how now can we truly transform that customer experience of working with SAP and Team Center by giving an even richer integrated experience of the two solutions? So the things that we're looking at now are what we call kind of closed loop processes, um, true end-to-end process level integration, And I don't think maybe when we started this journey, that was quite where we envisaged we would kind of end up. So I would say it's a continually transforming partnership. We're always looking for opportunity to excite our customers, but we also have to temper that we do still sell competing products in many areas. And the term I like to choose to use is, I call this term frenemies. On one hand, we obviously are very collaborative and you know the partnership and spirit is definitely there to work together. But we also recognize as grown-ups that sometimes we are going to compete and we'll have different points of view. And I think over that past couple of years, we've really established quite a good working practice in knowing when we're going to be friends and maybe when we're going to compete. And for me, that's really where we are right now. I think we've reached a point of maturity of our integrated portfolio where what we sell, how we sell it's become quite clear to both organizations. And certainly from my point of view, I can see only nothing but goodness coming for our customers in terms of the next steps that we undertake. Gareth, let me just briefly add, that's exactly also the customer feedback we did get from the early days on of that partnership. So customers were really giving us direct feedback, positive feedback saying, you know, guys, this is exactly what we are expecting, you know, with Siemens bringing that engineering competency to the table and SAP being the end-to-end process, master of end-to-end processes, that partnership is spot on. We do offer customers choice in areas where we have overlapping capabilities and that is highly appreciated as well. So if I understand it correctly, then you're bringing the partnership of both like the best of SAP and the best of Siemens together. So, and then in terms of customers, what is actually the value of this whole partnership? Let's say the end consumer, if the end consumer can recognize this. Maybe let me give it a start by talking a little bit, obviously out of my development perspective, right? And then of course, Gareth, you're going to add the customer dimension to it. Value is really about enabling true adoption and true innovation. It's not just about the idea. It's not just about me and Gareth talking about the potential. It's really about delivering tangible solutions which help customers to unlock that value which we are referring to. So what we did already two and a half years ago is we said integration is going to be key to unlock that value. What that means is that for the first time, you know, with us and Siemens coming together, we had the opportunity not just 
to tackle integration from a pure interface perspective. Here's a data structure, there's a data structure, let's match that as good as we can and off you go. That's not a sustainable solution. So instead, what we did together with Siemens is we set together you know, starting from the very simple processes, for example, for make-to-stock type of manufacturing scenario, and ran through the end-to-end -end processes and matched what is an item in Siemens Team Center and the, against the material in SAP and looked at the process end-to-end -end with all its complexities and, you know, also questions, which a lot of our customers also need to tackle with. And what that does is that instead of, like I said, providing a simple interface, we really strive for developing, and we did develop and deliver end-to-end out-of-the-box processes. That's our ambition, and that's what we delivered. And we do that with the cloud qualities, which are crucial these days, meaning they are available also out-of-the-box, pre-configured. SAP has something called BC sets, and the corresponding counterpart on Siemens is a starter package. We did that with a common domain model, which describes how, for example, items and materials fit together. And with that, you know, coming from an implementation perspective, we turned something which is very often a project solution into a product, into an out-of-the-box capability. And that helps our customers to, at the end of the day, decrease total cost of implementation, total cost of operation, you name it. Add to that by saying that on the basis of all that process optimization that Orange just described there, I always talk about the top line benefit, bottom line benefit, and then the green line benefit. So from a top line point of view, obviously, the more efficient an enterprise is, the more product variation we can get through, the more product diversification the customer can start to enable. That obviously increases revenue. From a bottom line point of view, in the optimization of processes, we start to remove waste, plain and simple. You can understand the impact of change management on your stock and your inventory, and then you can obviously make changes to your process to minimize that cost. And then that obviously has a direct-to-consumer benefit in terms of a lower cost of production, potentially higher profitability for the company, but you know that profitability can then be passed on. And then from a green line point of view, clearly sustainability is the major topic. And if we are optimizing our processes and we are decisions about what materials we choose to use, maybe there'll be a bit more time within that design process to think a little bit more about, about that sustainability angle. Can I ask another question around sustainability? I mean, we're seeing the different regulations come out, whether it's the plastics tax, well, the plastics tax in particular is a great example from a design perspective. What can SAP do to help companies address situations like the plastic tax in the design process? Now, I absolutely love that question. And I love that question because it plays absolutely to the strengths of what we've developed. We're now in a situation where we can take the richness of product definition information that exists within PLM. And we can connect that in an integrated capacity to the capability that exists on the SAP side. So for the first time, I think it's now possible to have almost real-time information about the costs of goods, maybe even before they're produced, because we've got a richness of information enabled by this integration that Aaron's team have developed that's never been possible before. So as part of the product design process, passing data from PLM to SAP enables some of the SAP capabilities for product compliance, the responsible designer capability that we have on the SAP portfolio, and obviously the product lifecycle costing solutions that we offer. 
So we get PLM data, much earlier on in the design process, much richer, connected to the SAP capabilities, and we can inform the design processes in terms of what their costs are in terms of green cost and the cost of sustainability. So brilliant question. I love the fact that it's not just the financial cost, it's the environmental cost that we're tracking as well. Absolutely. Okay, so maybe I think this is probably for Arend, but I'm not sure which release we're on in the partnership with Siemens and SAP, but can you describe some of the some of benefits of the latest release? Absolutely. Of course, you know, let me start by talking about the features and related benefits attached to it. But we're on release three. And we followed a sequence, which we defined jointly with our friends from Siemens, where we said in the first release, it's kind of the, some called it the bare metal integration, where you feed data from team center to SAP, all the usual suspects, the bill of material, the related documents, managing change, for example, triggered from the engineering side of the house and so on. So that was kind of the core integration, which customers already started using as an out-of-the-box capability to really on the operational costs and get closer to a standard solution and with that participate in the innovation cycles. What we then did in the second release, which was available since mid of last year, was that we introduced, first of all, the concept of bi-directional exchange. So change and change requests and problems don't just occur and are addressed in engineering, right? It's crucial to really collect feedback, like Gareth earlier also described, at all sorts of places across the enterprise and the network. So change and change management processes must be bidirectional. So that is exactly one of the capabilities which we introduced with release two and latest release available since end of last year, release three of the integration. By the way, the product from SAP perspective is called PLM system integration. And there's a counterpiece on Siemens side, which is the team center gateway for PLM system integration. Those are the two products. So with the release three, we went one step further and, for example, introduced advanced, and that is something I, I love, for example, personally, you know, it's per personal favor, the very advanced variant configuration capability. So products are very much personalized these days, not in terms of color and what they can do and what have you. And if engineering starts collecting those and describing those variants and the attributes attached to it and the rules along those rules in which those variants are actually configured, why shouldn't I use and transfer that data also into the business world, so to speak, to use it in order management or when creating work orders for my manufacturing purposes? And that is, for example, one advanced capability which we introduced with the latest release as well as for those customers who are in complex assembly, imagine a company in aerospace and defense, for example, they often use a component from SAP, which is especially built for that purpose called SAP PO or production engineering and operations. And that integration is as well enabled with our latest release. And we are working with many customers in that context who really shouldn't say desperately waited for it, but expect a lot of benefit by again using that direct connection. And maybe before Gareth, you add your perspective here, last but not least, I also love the data federation capability. So the possibility for an engineer, for example, who's working in his team center environment to directly access SAP data without transferring data, obviously, and the other way around. So that is also, I believe, a very powerful capability, which is appreciated and has direct benefits for the user.
I would imagine that variant configuration as well as, I mean, you talk about integrating throughout the end-to-end process, but it becomes really important on the sales side when customers are putting in orders online. You don't want to put them in a configuration that you can't make. Yeah, and you know, it sounds simple, but it's so important to have accurate data available to ease the process of defining those variants and eliminating errors in those configurations, right? That is a key challenge for our customers. And by handing that data over automatically and by reducing possibilities to introduce errors in those configuration rules, quality and at the end of the day, customer satisfaction increases. Gareth, do you want to add something? Well, I mean, just to echo one of the points there, the beauty of this integration to me is in its difference to what's gone before, as much as it is about the features that we enable. He mentioned this feature around data federation. For me, this is a kind of game changer in terms of the way a customer should consider how they implement the integration. I speak from experience many years trying to implement these integrations and the approach that was always taken is, well, let's send as much information across the integration as possible, whether we need it or not, because at some point somebody might want some information. The second you do that, it's out of date. It's not real time. You start to make wrong decisions based upon static information. What Aaron's just described there is a mechanism where now actually the customer needs to consider what information do I actually need to support my process? And therefore, what information should I retrieve at points of decision-making? That's completely different in terms of an approach. And again, it's going to enable a higher degree of efficiency and optimization because rather than then subsequently check or log into another system and check the data or speak to somebody else in a different department, we've actually facilitated a dynamic kind of query that gets you and retrieves that information immediately. Now, one of the other things I do want to pick up on, and maybe the question is going to come later on, but what we've described there is a set of advanced capabilities in terms of this integration. That does not mean that this is not applicable to every organization and only applicable to those that have complex integration use cases. We've taken big steps in terms of providing out-of-the-box templates, quicker delivery times, trying to remove some of the complexity around these integrations to put in place. And we feel that that's going to be way more attractive to smaller enterprise as well as the larger enterprise that are going to be interested in all of that wonderful feature and functionality. We still have a really rich, quick-to-deliver set of features and functions for any business. And non-functionally, it's all deliverable through what we call a cloud delivery model. So hybrid cloud delivery models. You're an on-premise PLM or in the cloud or even public cloud later this year, SAP environment and vice versa. If your PLM is in the cloud, we can also leverage those types of integration patterns. So a tremendous amount of functional and non-functional capabilities. Thank you. So you said there are a lot of incremental values that coming that's planned which should come in the future so can you maybe just explain some of those incremental value that companies can see maybe let me talk a little about the roadmap and then Gareth, i'd be keen to also hear again your perspective on that from a roadmap perspective what i personally experience right now is that there are a lot of beautiful startup companies green i call them green tech i don't know whether this is an english term or not but companies which are very engineering-centric, do new stuff, right? Why shouldn't I put, for example, hydrogen into an aircraft engine or how to use that to power chip? Or think of th- those type of companies which are, on the one side, very clear that they want to go and use ERP as a service. But since they are so engineering-centric in parallel, they, of course, are heavy users of product data management capabilities. For example, SAP 
team center by Siemens, as we call it. And for those, the next big thing, an obvious next step is to make the integration available for S4HANA public edition, right? That is one capability which we are focusing on and all the strengths, which we just described, the end-to-end processes, the ready-to-run capability and so on, play a major role in that and will enable that. And the other next big thing, which we are already working on with a lot of customers, is transferring what we just discussed from a product perspective to an asset perspective. So imagine you would run, let's say, a refinery or build a huge power plant with green energy. You know, how do I actually transfer the engineering data related to the asset into my enterprise operations? We refer to that as capital asset lifecycle management. So that is a one of the other major development priorities where we also would expect that customers gain a lot of benefits from having that immediate high quality data, engineering data available for their follow-on processes to make sure that they can run the plant as efficient as possible. Yeah, I just want to pick up on something that you said there because I hadn't really thought about it in that context before, but I think you're right. You know, maybe 10 years ago, I think it was, we started to hear this term about Industry 4.0 and the concepts there of the digital twin and obviously the operational life connecting IoT day. I think you really hit upon a point. With all of this impact that we've had on our, on our planet, I don't want to bang on about sustainability, then it's a very big problem right now. Everyone should bang on about sustainability. The point is we are seeing companies who rest that maybe their processes are a little antiquated they need to move fast and that's what we're starting to see we're starting to see spin-off other companies um, battery manufacturers based how can we move quicker with cloud how can enable those uh, more innovative more iterative process now with our partnership with siemens and and the wonderful integration that our team and the fact that we can contribute all of these solutions within the sap price list in effect from a one solution one vendor perspective, we're actually at a point where we can, well, we can put these tools in place quickly for companies. I think I'm right in saying that probably the only company in the world that has probably the best in class PLM system, the best in class ERP system connected and available from a single vendor. We've come to the end of the podcast. We're just over half an hour in now. And I ask everyone who joins the podcast to this question, but as this is the future of supply chain podcast from an R&D and engineering perspective, what do you see the future of supply chain? It's maybe a simple answer, but a complex question. For the last few years, supply chain problems have come about through obviously different reasons. What we've seen is a greater degree of collaboration occurring in our customer base. But what I think is going to happen next is we're going to see much, much more collaboration across enterprises. And what that brings with it is the need for connecting design and manufacturing processes. And that, again, is where I see opportunity um, as the custodian of the, the product formation and with our ability to connect into multiple PLM system abilities like our BTP solution portfolio where we can even now begin to connect manufacturing processes between different systems. That for me, I think is the next generation of capability that we're going to need to start to look at and introduce because that is really going to add a reduction in supplier chain complexity, but at the same time as a allow and support an increase in product complexity to support consumer demand. We discussed here in coming from different perspectives, but future of supply chain for sure is going to be more circular or greener, so to speak. 
And to enable that, it's fundamental really to understand the product with all its across all its dimensions, as we discussed earlier. If you want to run circular, you need to have that solid understanding of the backbone of your enterprise, right? What we discussed today, I believe, is so nicely fitting into that overall future of the supply chain. Well, I'd like to thank you both for a great conversation and I'd like to thank everyone for listening. So please mark us as a favourite and you can get regular updates and information about future episodes. But until next time, from Sin and I, thank you for discussing the future of supply chains.